Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Welcome to Back From The Borderline, emotional alchemy in your pocket. I'm your host, Molly, and I don't want to talk to your personality, I want to talk to your soul. On this podcast, we'll dive together into our shadows and emerge transformed. I'm not a therapist or a certified coach, I'm a modern mystic a highly sensitive existential feeler trying to find the meaning in the highs and lows of the human emotional and psychological experience. Here on my podcast, I turn my life experiences and soul journey as a spiritually starved and skeptical millennial who grew up in the wild west of the internet into educational and transformational long-form audio content because I saw how many other people were feeling the way that I was and struggling with the same things. For my listeners, Back From the Borderline has become a precious and necessary retreat in their overextended lives. The podcast provides you with an opportunity to disconnect from daily life and drop into solitude, emotional depth, and feeling. It allows you, if only for just an hour, to unhook from your daily duties and reconnect and drink from the wellspring of your soul. This podcast is focused on healing the collective, on putting the broken pieces of ourselves back together, a place to explore, understand, and integrate the darkest parts of our souls, a place to cultivate your inner life, explore spirituality, emotional health, and balance. My adolescence and young adulthood were full of self-destructive and impulsive behavior, emotion dysregulation, burned bridges, self-hatred, approval and love addiction, and black and white thinking that destroyed my relationships. I felt trapped in what I call a circle jerk of sadness. I was stuck in a chaotic and unstable life without any meaningful sense of self or identity. This left me feeling chronically empty and wondering if I even wanted to live anymore. I felt a nagging sense of longing, of needing to go home, but not knowing where home was. I tried to fill that void inside of me with people, places, and things, but the big empty just wouldn't go away. After a personal rock bottom moment where I was about to lose someone I loved very much because of my behavior, I had a realization, maybe I was the common denominator in the drama and chaos surrounding my life. If I didn't wake up and do something about it, I would continue repeating the same toxic patterns and perpetuating the same maladaptive coping strategies I picked up in my environment growing up. These ways of thinking and behaving might have developed as a way to cope with and adapt to my emotionally abusive and neglectful environment as a child, 
but they were no longer serving me as an adult. They were keeping me from the one thing I wanted, a deeper connection with myself, others, and the world around me. At this point, I fell deep into the rabbit hole of diagnostic labels, dead set on finding out what was wrong with me. Each psychiatrist I saw told me I showed signs and symptoms of a different disorder label, borderline personality disorder, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, complex post-traumatic stress disorder, major depressive disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, premenstrual dysphoric disorder, and bipolar 2 disorder. I was determined to get a formal diagnosis of something I was sure it would validate my suffering. During one of my last psychiatrist visits, I took the signs and symptoms of borderline personality disorder into the provider's office and told him that I was sure I fit the criteria. He told me that I was too high-functioning to have BPD, and that even though I likely did fit the criteria, he advised against me pushing too hard for a formal diagnosis because, from his perspective, having BPD on my medical records could impact me negatively in a variety of ways due to the stigma surrounding the label. This was really confusing to me. Why did this label exist if having it on your medical records could harm you? When I first started back from the borderline, I was documenting my recovery from what I was sure was BPD. You'll hear hints of this in many of my earliest episodes. In the beginning of my recovery journey, I believed at my core that I was mentally ill and somehow disordered. I believed that I needed to admit to the world that the symptoms I was experiencing meant that something was wrong with me and the way that my brain worked. I believed I needed to eliminate these symptoms, numb them, remove them. They were my enemies. They were standing in between me and a life worth living, and I hated them for what I believed they'd done to me. What I know now is that my brain was doing exactly what would be expected, considering what I had lived through. What I know now is that our experiences in the early years of our lives are disproportionately powerful in shaping how our brains organize and develop. In 2021, American psychiatrist and senior fellow of the Child Trauma Academy, Dr. Bruce Perry, co-wrote and published a book with Oprah Winfrey called What Happened to You? Conversations on Trauma, Resilience, and Healing. As I listened to the audible version of the book, Dr. Perry said something that stuck with me. Most people who are in the process of excavating the reasons they do what they do are met at some point with resistance. You're blaming the past. Your past is not an excuse. This is true. Your past is not an excuse, but it is an explanation, offering insight into the questions so many of us ask ourselves. Why do I behave the way I behave? Why do I feel the way I do? For me, there is no doubt that our strengths, vulnerabilities, and unique responses are an expression of what happened to us. Very often, What happened takes years to reveal itself. It takes courage to confront our actions, peel back the layers of trauma in our lives, and expose the raw truth of our past. But this is where healing begins. The psychiatrist I saw four years ago never asked me what happened to me. He never asked me about my childhood. 
Instead, he labeled me, medicated me, and sent me on my way after a 15-minute $500 appointment. After spending the last two years speaking about this on my podcast and receiving hundreds of emails, comments, and voicemails from listeners, I discovered that this experience is all too common. These people felt validated and seen by my story and experiences. They felt hope for the first time, and so did I. Slowly, I began to shift my podcast's message away from helping people come to terms with their diagnostic labels, primarily that of BPD, to questioning the validity of these diagnoses and the medical model of mental illness that rules the systems that provide mental health care to those who are suffering. I began to put everything I had into interviewing and researching the work of professionals with similar questions and concerns. Looking at the psychological suffering of human beings through a medical lens has taken center stage for as long as many of us can remember. At this very moment, millions of people, maybe even you, honestly believe that they're experiencing signs and symptoms of mental disorders and illnesses because something is chemically wrong with their brains and that these imbalances can be passed down from generation to generation. The inner circles of psychiatry have been quick to admit that the medical model is just a theory, but unfortunately, this is rarely shared with vulnerable patients like you and me. However, more and more, especially in recent years, the biomedical model of mental illness has come under fire. Groundbreaking research published in 2022 by psychiatrist Joanna Moncrief and her team at King's College in London proved without a shadow of a doubt that the serotonin hypothesis, the idea that mental illnesses are caused by an imbalance of chemicals in the brain, is nothing more than a misguided theory and marketing ploy, a myth with incredibly dire consequences for all of us and many of the people we love. Since the release of her systematic review in the Molecular Psychiatry Journal in 2022, this research by Dr. Moncrief and her team took this information to the mainstream in a big way, rattling the entire psychiatric establishment. And when old views come crumbling down, new ones emerge. And that's exactly what's happening now, and that's exactly what we explore together in my podcast. As a collective, we're beginning to see and understand that our suffering isn't caused by chemical imbalances in our supposedly broken brains. As children, our brains are incredibly sensitive. Even seemingly minor occurrences can be seen as devastating realities of abandonment, neglect, and trauma. These early experiences carve deeply ingrained patterns and become the framework through which we see the world and other people. In my interview with philosopher Justin Garson, he proposed viewing our psychological suffering from a design perspective instead of a disorder perspective. Maybe, just maybe, there's nothing wrong with the way your brain is working. Perhaps it's responding exactly as it was designed to. Perhaps it's responding exactly as it believes it needs to, to keep you safe and to help you survive. That doesn't sound very disordered to me. The definition of savior is one that saves from danger or destruction. I began to wonder, what if we viewed our symptoms as saviors? Through this new lens, 
we can begin to see painful symptoms as natural responses, responses we can learn to become aware of, understand, move through, and slowly change rather than constantly monitoring our behavior for cues or signs that we are somehow broken or disordered. Viewing our symptoms as saviors can also help us move forward from the unhelpful cycle of blaming our caregivers for how our lives continue to spiral out of our control and take a higher evolutionary perspective as to why our caregivers responded and reacted the way they did when we were growing up. What if, as a collective, we could break free from the harmful and unhelpful pattern of pathologizing and labeling human suffering? What if we began to see our symptoms as an adaptation rather than a sign that we are dysfunctional, disordered, or broken? I believe this would dramatically change the way we view and relate to ourselves and others. It would completely change the hope we have for our future and increase our self-image and levels of resiliency. Viewing our symptoms as saviors would allow us to accept them as parts of ourselves that arise to alert us when we're living out of alignment with our highest truth. So these symptoms turn up the levels of discomfort in our inner landscape in hopes that we'll heed their warning and accept their help, in hopes that we'll see them as saviors instead of symptoms of disease or disorder. Through working with my symptoms as saviors, I discovered that my symptoms wanted me to know that I was out of alignment with the deeper and more spiritual nature of my life. I was disconnected from my purpose. I wasn't following the natural trajectory of growth that was meant for me, and my body and mind wanted me to know that. They were giving me all the signs that they could. As I began to listen to my innermost wisdom and heed its guidance, I began to make changes in my life in every category, and slowly, I began to see my true self emerge. Through this more stable and grounded version of myself, I shared my journey with my podcast listeners. I discussed with them the idea of spiritual starvation, and in these episodes, I wondered how, as a collective, we've gotten to a place where the soul and spirit of a person are not acknowledged at all by the systems that dictate how mental and emotional health are treated and cared for. These realizations, along with the deep study of depth psychology and integral spirituality, helped me begin to identify the conflicts between my own soul and personality and begin to bring them into harmony. As my listeners followed along with my journey, the emails and voicemails began to pour in. Many felt as though they'd found the missing piece in their own recovery journeys too. And as I spoke to more people and continued my research, it became clearer than ever that the soul and spirit don't really exist in our postmodern society, and they certainly aren't considered in mainstream approaches to mental health care and treatment. So instead, we throw ourselves inward. This leads to us being labeled as disordered, dysfunctional, or treatment-resistant. We are spiritually starved, spiritually homeless, broken and longing for understanding, for a place to talk about the things that we're too scared to bring up to people who, at best, may not understand, and at worst, label us as crazy or hysterical, lock us up, sedate us, and never once 
think that our suffering might make perfect and logical sense given what we've been through. We come into this world to win battles, gain strength against those who try to control us, and advance to a stage of maturity and initiation where we can pass through life pursuing our calling, calmly guided by our highest self. This is the reality you deserve. This is your birthright. But the problem is that for most of us, the hardest battles we will fight are in our own childhood homes where we must free ourselves from the dominion and control of those who claim to love us most. For most of us, home felt like a spiritual prison where the controlling, dominating, and sometimes traumatizing beliefs and behaviors of our caregivers, whether these caregivers were conscious of what they were doing or not, cramped the nature and development of our childhood spirits. These spiritual prisons of our childhood stop the feelings of freedom we're meant to feel as children. These dysfunctional environments devoid of spiritual nourishment cultivate unhappiness, emptiness, and dis-ease, which leads to mental, nervous system, and physical disorders, which is why we live in such a sick and empty society today. This leads many of us wanting to die especially in adolescence and early adulthood. But what we don't know in these stages of our lives is that the death that we're longing for is metaphorical and spiritual, not literal. The problem is that no one has explained this to us, so this death urge remains. This deep depression, this dark night of the soul, is what it feels like when our spirits tell us that it's time for our childhood mentality to die so that we can become adults, that it's time for spiritual transformation, for initiation and integration, that it's time to clean up, grow up, and awaken to higher truths. Mainstream mental health does not address this death urge, but instead pathologizes and suppresses and labels it. This does not mean that it goes away. It might become numbed, or less noticeable, but it will continue to simmer under the surface until properly addressed. It will continue to knock at our door until we answer. The problem with the disorder model of mental health is that it places the cause within the individual, when in fact, emotion dysregulation difficulties more often arise out of dysfunctional family and intimate systems, like families, marriages, intimate partnerships, and work environments. When visiting your average traditional modern psychiatrist in Western society, they're unlikely to tell you that your suffering or symptoms are a collective or systemic problem. They're going to tell you it's a personal problem. Why? Because they're not trained to look at the collective or spiritual ecology in general. They're not trained to examine how we relate to one another as a collective whole. Disorder labels like BPD reinforce harmful prejudices. When someone is slapped with a BPD diagnosis, for example, it can lead to strengthening a person's deepest insecurities and further marginalize the most vulnerable people among us. The most supportive thing we can do for individuals with mental disorder diagnoses is to help them understand that they are not broken and disordered. Issues and struggles with mental health are very real. 
there will always be a need for therapists, helpers, and healers. Psychiatry, however, is only recognized as a branch of medicine because it labels mental disorders as medical problems. But what we're beginning to wake up to as a society is that medicalizing suffering and human emotion does not contribute to better health outcomes. The clock is ticking, and we are closer to questioning psychiatry as a field of medicine. Medicine seeks to treat diseases. Mental disorders are not diseases. Fixating on the curing or remission of mental health disorders will never address the root of the problem. Our symptoms are not the cause of our pain. They are the final manifestations of deeper, systemic, social, and societal problems. No pain we experience can be reduced to an innate, individual problem, genetic abnormality, or biological defect or disorder. We are diverse, complex beings that are forced to make sense of ourselves within the dysfunctional and often traumatizing environments and societies we've been raised in and forced to adapt to. When we're hurting, we either blame ourselves or each other. That's what the system is designed to do. Our sickness is much more profitable than our health. A patient cured is a customer lost. The dawn of a new and better art of healing is upon us. More and more, we're seeing people wake up to the importance of cleaner diets, spirituality, human connection, and community when it comes to holistic, mental, physical, and emotional well-being. If we truly want to liberate ourselves from a mental health perspective, it will need to be a collective effort. Being open, honest, and self-accepting can only do so much when people with mental illnesses, disorders, or disabilities are viewed as a structurally disenfranchised class. Looking at symptoms as saviors would completely flip and disrupt this toxic narrative. Bringing the conflicts between our soul and personality into harmony can't occur while we continue to view psychological suffering through the lens of the medical model of mental illness. Healing can't just be physical. It needs to treat the body and the mind and the spirit. This inner harmony and balance is essential for emotional well-being. This inner harmony is exactly what I aim to help you achieve on this podcast. As a society, we have fundamentally misunderstood the purpose of feelings and emotions. By viewing our symptoms as saviors, we can begin to acknowledge their existence as alerts when we're straying from our highest truth and integrity and the deepest yearnings of our souls. I dream of a future where our symptoms are seen as rational, sane, and adaptive responses to an insane and unhealthy society. I dream of a future where we don't seek to cure, control, or suppress disorders or dysfunctions, but one where we view inner awakening and healing as a slow process of becoming, unknowing, and unfolding, where inner change and healing happen slowly, inch by inch. I dream of a future where we view our symptoms as saviors, and this is exactly the future I hope to help usher us into through the creation of this podcast. With each episode, I aim to deliver hope and community to a world that lacks hope and community. As a listener, 
you'll become part of a new myth in the making. On this podcast, there is no finish line of healed. There is no outcome, only eternal unfolding. This is not a place where we expect a quick fix or a cure. This is a place of accepting small, humble truths and small, humble steps towards wholeness rather than big claims or promises. The way you act and think produces the results in your life. This isn't a belief. This is how nature works. You likely have blocked emotions, imbalanced emotions, emotional congestion. The goal is to get your emotions flowing more naturally and harnessing their power for creative and transformative means. The idea of alchemy is to reduce something with fire, burning it down so that something else entirely can rise up from the ashes. You can do this with your personality too. You can perform emotional alchemy. You've always had the power, you just didn't know that. And now you do. Remember that time you felt amazing? Physically, emotionally, spiritually. Even if it was merely just a second. You can go back there. You can learn to find your best self. On this podcast, you will learn to sacrifice what you are now for what you can become. The past is over. It's fixed. Together, we can learn to forgive ourselves, others, and move forward. From chaos comes clarity. Through working and integrating the concepts we'll explore together on this podcast, you will emerge transformed, standing in the ashes of who you used to be. You can be different. You can be new. You are capable of growth and transformation. You can learn to see a meaningful sense in your own existence. It's not about finding yourself. It's about creating yourself. It's about healing from the roots up. This podcast will provide a wake-up call for those who are way too hard on themselves. It's time to give yourself a break. You never had access to what was your birthright. To feel wanted, accepted, and celebrated for just being you. You're so hard on yourself and expect so much of yourself when you don't even acknowledge that you were likely brought up without the essential grounding of an emotionally balanced and spiritually attuned caregiver. Having access to parental support and guidance like this is essential to learning how to achieve emotional well-being. This isn't about blaming our parents. This goes deep. It is collective and generational beyond our wildest imagining. It's likely that your parents and their parents' parents' parents didn't receive this kind of support either. This is about moving away from blame. It's about waking up to the fact that you deserve gentleness now. You can give this all back to yourself. Give yourself back the nurturing. Give yourself back the love. Give yourself back the play. Give yourself back the understanding and acceptance that you missed out on. You have to give it all back to you. This podcast is about mental liberation. It's about gaining agency of your mind, nipping your anxieties in the bud, better handling your mood swings, shifting vibes. 
It's about noticing when you're about to slip back into the darkness towards your rock bottom and finding that fearless quality inside of you just at the right moment to learn to embrace your symptoms as saviors. If you're ready to start your journey of inner transformation, follow Back From The Borderline on your favorite podcast app. That way, you'll receive notifications when I drop new episodes every Tuesday morning at 5 a.m. Eastern Time. If you have a question you'd like to ask, you can email me or record a voicemail on my website at backfromtheborderline.com. And you never know, you might just hear your question answered on a future episode. Don't forget to follow the podcast on Instagram at Back From The Borderline, where you can connect with other podcast listeners and check out all the memes and quotes I share throughout the week. If you want even more Back From The Borderline, you can consider becoming a patron of the podcast. My premium submarines on Patreon unlock access to countless hours of archived podcast episodes, and they also receive weekly bonus episodes of my private podcast, My Stupid Walk for My Stupid Mental Health, where I answer patron-submitted questions and dive deeper into my recovery journey. Premium submarines also receive the Sonar System Mailer my monthly newsletter where I share additional recovery resources, recommendations, and reflections. To sign up, click the link in the description of this episode or visit backfromtheborderline.com. So go ahead, pick an episode, and begin your journey. Remember, anyone, even you, can come back from the borderline. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back From The Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon book list recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.